This episode is sponsored by Tenji. Tenji is the chat app that always shares 50% of its revenue with users in the UK through a weekly free prize draw. And the more you chat and the more of your friends that join Tenji, the more chances you have to win. Tenji, the chat app that gives back. Download now for iPhone and Android by searching T-E-N-G-I. Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and everything around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Rafe Blandford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This is Season 12, Episode 3, and this week we're talking about how much you're worth to the apps and services you use. We explore the complex calculations companies make to win customers. And we look at our own experiences, including who we pay and who's got our data. Welcome back, chaps. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. You've been away. I have. I've been uh, at Barcelona. The sun we, again. We, we heard about last time, and I've been in Dublin uh, the last week. Oh, it was very lovely. In sunny Dublin. Yes, drinking Guinness. Lovely. You don't well, drink? A half pint. What? He, does, like, he does. He does. that short. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does drink alcohol, but it has to be exceedingly expensive alcohol. Oh, I see. Fair enough. Well, a, a man of exquisite tastes. How are you doing, uh, you McLeod? Thank uh, you. Which calls you Rafe Blanford then? Uh, Rafe McLeod. Rafe McLeod. You're in Blanford. <laughs> you see, you're all just other people to me. I don't really care. <laughs> it doesn't about matter, does it? Yeah. I'm very good, thanks. Uh, rocking, ready to go. Have you a thing of the week? Since I have. We're, we're, we're my chatting. thing of the week is shock horror, my new Samsung S7 Galaxy S7 Edge. It's very slickly named. You really isn't it? got the, Sorry. the name spot on there, Ewan. <laughs> yeah. the, the official marketing name is the Galaxy S7, S7 Edge, Galaxy S Edge Plus thing. Yeah. S. Edge. So, Have how are it? you getting on with your Samsung Galaxy S7 Edge? Well done. Right, I left it in a cab today. Oh, the horror! The horror! I've had it for three days. You know, I paid good money for it, so I was very, very annoyed. But I, my thing of the week is. Please, 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 if you have a handset in your pocket, can you make sure you've either got iCloud or whatever the hell it is, doesn't matter, the thing that follows the phone. Find my phone. Find my iPhone, find my Samsung. I put find my Samsung and also put the Android one on, the you know, the, the Android device, device manager. manager. Within moments of the cab leaving, I could see it and I thought, shall I run after it? Then it, it, it started going rather fast. And you don't run, do you? No, no, no. Um, just like Blanford, I've got other people that do that for me. So I... Um, <laughs> Little dig, little dig, little dig, got in there early. Um, on my iPhone, thankfully I had a different phone with me, I brought up the Find My Samsung website, logged in quickly, and then made the phone make a really annoying noise continually. That's and just a Samsung someone, ringtone, isn't it? Someone got it, and then the, the, the chat... Uh, it's a recording of you and speaking quickly. <laughs> I sent a message to it via the app saying, please, could you, you know, phone me? Uh, his chat phoned me and says, look, I've got your phone. I said, oh, great, thank you. And I thought it was a taxi driver, but it wasn't. It was the person in the cab. The passenger. The passenger, uh-huh. who then said, look, I can meet you either at the Nando's at King's Cross, or you can come to my apartment and get the phone. What would you do? Nando's. Nando's every time. Yeah, that's I exactly. do love chicken. <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll meet you outside Nando's. And I gave the guy 20 quid. There you go. Yeah. He actually, interestingly, he said, oh, just before I give you the phone, can I unlock it just to make sure it's yours? That's that's quite quite cool, though. Cool, yeah, yeah. fine. And I said, no, I'll do this. And I put my fingerprint on it, and and he went, oh, very impressive. There you go. So please just make sure that's the first thing I do whenever I get a phone is put the find find me on it. Ray Flanford, have you a thing of the week? My thing of the week is 
in the effort to get a smarter home that's continuing, I've got myself a Raspberry Pi 3. And what's interesting about this is, for those who don't know, it's kind of a computer that costs about £35. This well, version, It's not kind of a computer that costs £35. It is exactly a computer is that costs Is it like a computer that costs £35? Yes, it it's is. Like Thank you for that, Mike. But I think most people would look at it and go, that looks like a circuit board to me. In the Venn diagram of computers that cost £35 and Raspberry Pi is, that's the same circle. Okay, thank you. It's interesting because it's got the Wi-Fi built into it along with Bluetooth. So this means you don't have to add a dongle to it. So therefore, for doing kind of smart home things, it's a step up on the previous version. I haven't yet had a chance to do anything with it, but I'm looking forward to doing some experiments with either sensors or perhaps having a play with uh, Homebridge, which I know is something you've done, Ben. And as we haven't asked you yet, we should also ask you how you're doing this week. Well, yeah, that's what, for, thank you. It's only taken 12 seasons and three, thing of the week. three episodes, my thing of the week. Well, I, I've also got my Raspberry Pi 3 precisely, and I think I said in the smart time episode I was going to do that and the announcement and availability of the Raspberry Pis because they were very short supply in early days means I've got it so I'm going to do that I'm going to set up Homebridge on it and some other stuff as well there's a, a, a homebrew kind of project I think called Air Sonos which makes a fair a fake airplay receiver and transcodes it to Sonos so it means that your Sonos devices show up on your phone oh, on, your, on your iPhone yeah, now nice. I, I think it's probably a little bit hacky but I'm going to give that Probably. Or definitely a bit hacky. I'm going to give that a try. My thing of the week this week is Kitty. It's a mobile app that the guys at work introduced me to, oh, actually. Yeah. That's right, uh, yes. It's very, I love working in a workplace where people show you apps you don't know about them. Uh, yeah, it's I'm, quite I'm, annoying, I'm actually, used, isn't it? Yeah, I'm used to being like the guy, yeah. like the, the tedious area. Look at my apps, look at my apps, and please come back. Yeah. So, so is this <laughs> for uh, collating money, or is it for virtual cats? Uh, no, it, 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 it's the former, fortunately. Oh, disappointing, uh, exactly. really. Uh, it's really good. Uh, you can use it personally. Like this just is to, from Santander, right? It is from Santander Bank. You can use it just to save up money, I think, into a, into a fund. But it's more interesting when we use it like we do, where you all join in. And so we put our drinks fund in there and then they've actually sent us a real card and you can give that card to somebody in the office and they go out and buy you know the drinks or the cakes or the birthday thing or whatever it on is that card. on that card oh, yeah clever it's, 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 smart, it's really it? good really good actually and it's dead simple simple single use but i think it's a really interesting well, it's uh, a very way. good idea that yeah, yeah. very very good nice. i'm also very nice one, santander very keen to get my curved card which is a, a new fintech oh, i've ordered mine i've ordered mine as yeah. well but it has did you buy the to me thing uh yes i did yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm a sucker <laughs> Yeah. So they, they were offering a, a wallet as well. Have you got one I, coming? I have, and I even signed up off Ben's link, so he'll be getting extra value well, as a well, result. Why did you sign off mine? Because I did it after okay, Ben, well, and you did it after me. Are we going to talk about that? What curved card is? So uh, we'll talk about curved in a future episode, because yeah. I think it's cool enough that it deserves... We're going to, we'll are going we have to do a fintech episode coming up soon, actually, yeah. a financial technology episode. But um, uh, it's a really cool service that allows you to just carry one bank card around and use your phone to decide where your transactions get rooted to. But we'll talk about it in more detail but, in by the, the way, future. I, I did want to say, if you want to see what Rafe Blanford looks like at the minute, Get on my Instagram, EW4N. Every recording, I take a it's a it's an obligatory thing. Before we would do a recording, I take a picture of Rafe Blanford. I tweet it out as well. There's a growing following of folk Blanford who we like to see what you're doing. So if you'd like to see Rafe Blanford looking tired and slightly, slightly annoyed. <laughs> okay, slightly. So, so Rafe Blanford, what are we talking about this week? This week, we're going to talk about how much app users are worth. And 
both from a consumer point of view and to business as well. It's actually a, a thought that's been triggered by our current sponsor, Tenji, uh, which we'll talk about more later in the episode. But they are very obviously saying that you're worth something by giving some of the money back to you. But I, I don't think people necessarily have an awareness beyond the kind of passing acquaintance that actually you're quite valuable to whichever app company you happen to be using, whether that's a big service like Facebook or LinkedIn or one of the smaller ones you know, for startups. And the whole business models are written around that. So we thought we'd spend some time talking through the different types of value. And it's not just apps, right? We're talking about services, and particularly Google, Facebook, the big ones jump to mind. And then, and then of course, you've got the, the Amazons and the likes. So the more data they have, the more valuable you become to them. And then ideally, the more money you're spending with them. But in the, in the context of a lot of these services that are freemium or completely free, so Facebook, completely free, right? You, you don't pay anything for that. Whereas you got, there's other services that you do have to pay some money, the freemium models and so on. I find it quite interesting to wonder how much I'm worth to a particular company and how they're valuing me and then what level of thought they're putting in to the service and the, the service improvements that they're making. What's your view of how much you're worth to Facebook, Blanford? What do you think? Well, I think I'm worth $7.30 per year. Oh, Rafe Blanford's cheated by doing actual research. All right, go on. Okay, so uh, this is actually a very obvious calculation you can do around a company's revenue, which they'll state in their reports if they're a public yeah. company. And then most of these companies also report monthly active users. So looking back to Facebook, and I've actually done the figures from some data last year in 2015, they had sort of 1.5 billion monthly active users, and they were having revenue per quarter of around $4 billion. So that meant per quarter you were worth about $2.80 on average, which over a year is worth about $7.30. You can also do those sums for other companies. Uh, LinkedIn, perhaps not surprisingly, given its kind of whole offering, is actually more, $26 a year. That's partly because it, right. you know, it has advertising, but also it's really pushing its premium subscription services more. So generally those companies that are having you pay for something will have a higher revenue per user that's what you'd expect uh, i suppose that's a good point it's one of the reasons this is interesting is so many companies in the digital space don't charge you directly so it's very obvious that you're worth something to them if you're having to pay for it directly and this really bugs me so there's the old adage that if you're not paying then you're the product no such thing as a free lunch yeah, yeah. and and actually it's a really easy glib thing to say but it irritates me because it's basically not true Absolutely. as well uh, I'm struggling for the words to, to explain it, but effectively, if I knowingly give Facebook, or actually, link, let's talk about LinkedIn, because how much was it again, LinkedIn, you said? Uh, $26 okay. a year. So that's really surprisingly high, if yes. I, particularly if I think about my LinkedIn usage. But I give LinkedIn my CV and my career history and that sort of thing, and I get perfectly good value out of that. I mean, it's, it's a knowing exchange. I'm not being sold against my will and I'm not being forced to do anything I don't want to. Some of my data is the product, but actually if I exchange it, I'm not the product if I'm intelligently deciding to, to engage in that transaction. And I think this is the point about a lot of these web and mobile app companies is there is an implicit contract in that you give away some of your data and it might be attention data, it might be personal data, and in return you get back something for free, quite a lot of the time it's hybrid models in that there's advertising involved as well. But you know, a lot of the social companies, for example, your social graph is valuable to them because it can tell you something about you, but also give you the connections to your friends. And of course, all of these businesses are able to extend to another customer at relatively low cost, simply because the infrastructure involved in adding one user is, is tiny next to some of the other costs. It's not a physical good. And so, you know, the cost of adding another user is much like you. Basically, there's a big upfront 
time to investment in developing the service and then that service cost is relatively low but there are other companies i mean just to give a, a few examples go on give us your numbers right uh, yeah, go on. line that's six dollars a year who are they they're a over-the-top messaging service a bit like whatsapp um, <laughs> i love the idea of an over-the-top messaging service they're like hello it was great to meet you <laughs> god you're so off the top <laughs> i've been waiting 12 seasons to make that joke. oh brilliant ben <laughs> it's, it's the one-liners that really get me it, it's landed yeah, yeah. weibo similarly three dollars twenty that one's interesting because obviously it's the chinese market and they have something like uh but in this calculation, we're talking about 200 million or so users. As you go down and get smaller, the numbers do tend to go down in terms of the average revenue per user, simply, I think, because there are some scale. Do you think there's anything that marks out the difference between web services and mobile services? And Because most of the ones you've reeled off are both, but many of them are far more successful because of mobile. I mean, I'm thinking Facebook, for example. You know, Facebook was a thing long before mobile, but it has absolutely exploded yeah you know commercially because of the the mobile app piece i think it really mobile gives them reach so you talk about two billion smartphones versus maybe 500 million personal computers depends how you calculate that against you know obviously with business computers and for facebook 80 percent of their revenue now comes from mobile majority of that in advertising but i think there are examples of what you might call mobile only companies and people like uber for example extract value by being an intermediary and being disruptive in an existing space but there are other mobile first companies that you know don't really offer that physical good service and so i think the on-demand ones are interesting because actually it's very easy for them to calculate what your value is because actually it's basically an affiliate model in or or a commission model in in some form okay we're going to need to move on in a minute but like i'm interested that i'm worth 26 dollars to linkedin and i wonder well, where's my share of that 26 bucks? You're the user. Well, we'll come back. Yeah, we'll yeah. come back to that in a minute. But apart from idle curiosity, why does this matter? Like, you, did you care? Well, I suppose it's well, see, a question. Because um, you're a man who takes great delight in not caring about stuff that doesn't matter to you. You know, very that's, discerning. That's very kind of you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Right. I've lived through the, the advertising boom and bust or the, the bust and boom. Do you remember when all this was fields? Yeah, when I, when I was a boy, yeah. almost literally, I was using AOL. Do you ever use AOL? Yeah, America Online or CompuServe? That can't. My parents wouldn't have it in the house. Oh, really? No. Okay, right. I used to work for AOL. I had a, an overhead account, which meant that I didn't have to pay for usage because it was something like £4 an hour. You had to pay for the phone connection, right? And then once you had your phone connection, you then had to pay per hour to use the service. And that was quite an interesting way because you just simply just had subscribers. There was no you know, advertising wasn't really a thing. Then, of course, the internet came along. Rafe, do you remember the question I asked you in about five minutes ago? I, I do, yes. Right, well, okay. I'm, 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 I'm answering it. I'm starting it. Fair the... enough. Perhaps you want to add more content. Go back to the beginning of time. In the beginning, there was in an the enormous bang and a load of heat. Uh, a load of heat right, but my, my, my point being that that was actually very easy to create value at that point because the spend was quite straightforward and transparent. The, you know, the more time that you as a user spent using a service that was usually based on the fact you were having more enjoyment from it. Do you think then that stuff like LinkedIn, because you're not paying to use LinkedIn by the hour, I mean, you wouldn't anyway, but it, it's difficult to know what value they get from you and what value you get from it. And so actually seeing a hard number, like $26, actually makes you realise that actually, oh yeah, you know, people's careers and professions and finding new jobs and networking and that kind of stuff is intrinsically more valuable than friends and pictures of cats and BuzzFeed articles on Facebook. Or is it just that the specific focus on business means that 
they're able to generate more yeah. revenue. And I suspect from actually that user Buzz, base. BuzzFeed's uh, users are, are pretty valuable. I think it's also about the, the transparency, because what Ewan was talking about there was basically a direct value exchange. You paid some money and you got something back. Thank you. For Thank most people you now, you know, sound grown up, that. The, yeah. the freemium model has become the four in the digital world. You yeah. know, it's basically advertising funded. I think that's most obvious in the fact that you now see a big industry around cost per install for apps, for example. And uh, Fixu, they do an index which talks about what the average is for iOS and Android. And so, for example, for iOS, that's about $1.64 at the moment. It's a bit so more if I, for wait, Android. If I'm an app developer and I want to get 1,000 users... That's how much you have to pay, pay per at user. At least $1,000. Exactly. At least $1,600. Yeah, well, oh, 1900 for Android. Right, right. What's interesting about that, that kind of gives you an idea of how much value you're going to have to the... A lot of startups actually base around getting to scale quickly, and some of that will do that via these app install ads, and Facebook's been a particular leader in this space. There are some arguments around, you know, how effective that is, because actually, as with any sort of advertising, it doesn't translate into a valuable customer. So I very briefly want to talk about the kind of model that you have to do for businesses to understand it and this is to basically say when you install an app you need to understand what the conversion rate is that's how many people will actually keep the app in the mobile industry that figures about 10 percent so 90 percent of people will install that will either not use it or delete it then you need to understand the customer lifetime value now that might come from advertising or it might come from an in-app purchase basically that's the amount of money you can make for the customer throughout a period of time and there are various ways of calculating that you can then sort of extend that and look at things like CPM for advertising and the fill rates. But essentially what you will arrive at is a figure that that consumer is worth to you. And that's actually the mechanics of how these companies will calculate a business model. The VC funding will happen and ultimately get to the figures we were talking about earlier. And Rafe Blanford will be right back with you with some hot spreadsheet action uh, just after these important messages. You, McLeod, what yeah. would you say that the 361 podcast is worth to you? Um... Well, I'd say it's worth a significant amount of money. Is, is that positive or negative? Quite negative, actually, yes. given the amount of money we spend. Well, if you look at Patreon, it's a bit depressing that we're worth, what, I don't know, well, safety value at the moment, because it's less than $100. That's all I really care about. <laughs> Rafe Blanford would prefer to get the value down. Anyways, if you would like to help us make the show, support us make the show, uh, you can go to 361podcast.com and you can follow the link there. And uh, you can give as little as $1 an episode to help us with the production cost of the show, which will be great. And uh, there's some really awesome people who are already doing that. We say thank you very much to all of them. Some of their names are at the end of this show. Mm. But there's also a benefit as well. If you're thinking, well, I kind of like this show, but why would I bother, you know, like giving a dollar an episode? Why do I need to? They've already why got do, my data. Yeah. Why do, I, why do I need to do that? Like I already get the show for free. Well, just imagine if you could hear Rafe Blanford being really, really unhappy. Yes. I mean, that that for me is a very so, compelling so proposition. Is, I, I mean, I've already subscribed to myself. So exactly. This yeah. is definitely bunny ear benefits, is it? I don't, what's bunny ear benefits? Well, benefits in the sense that I'm not really benefiting here. I see. Yeah, Rafe Blanford is busy doing bunny ear quotes in the air. So what we've said is when we get to $100, uh, we're going to get Rafe Blanford massaged. No, no, wait, wait, wait. We are going to do a special episode focused on physical services you can order via your phone, one of which... Is Just by chance. Urban Massage. Hi to everybody at Urban Massage, by the oh, way. Yes, they, li yes. they listen now. At Massage App on Twitter, right? And yes, we're going to request that they send along a therapist 
to massage Blanford live during recording. And given how much Rafe Blanford is not going to enjoy that, we, need to, find a, we need to find a service that can send along an actual therapist to help him <laughs> deal with his issues afterwards. <laughs> I had a very nice hot stone massage this week. I'd like to, you know, Blanford, they are really nice. There and if any of the listeners know a body bag on demand service, I would love to know about it. <laughs> anyway, so go to 361podcast.com. We're really grateful to everyone who's already supporting us. The generosity is helping fund the show and helping us invest in future episodes. And uh, if you've been meaning to but haven't got around to it yet it's dead easy patreon have updated their site recently it's just a few clicks and uh, you can cancel any time grant right back to the topic at hand then Rafe mm. Bamford and you were just about to launch into explaining to us that actually starting a mobile app now is no longer normally a hacker in a bedroom it's now really legitimately a business quite oftentimes and it's actually a lot of work. it's a lot of work but also it's now clear and understood the costs of starting that business in the way that more traditional businesses would so you you know typically how much a user is going to cost to acquire you know you know the cost of providing that service you know how you want to spend you know how you want to incentivize people and actually it's quite hard isn't it in in some respects you've got to build quite a complicated model to see if your service is going to make money and the days of getting investment because it sounds like you've got a cool idea and win on word of mouth or get all your marketing for free that's long gone now isn't it yeah i think the majority of apps now do have to have a, a business model and this is the side that you won't see unless you're kind of in the vc space or as a startup setting up a new business i mean i would argue actually that the business models are relatively simple i mean you talked about the cost of acquiring new users the cost of servicing them and then whatever revenue you make and actually those are the three components the trouble is getting that number accurate and correct is going to be quite difficult because it will vary from market to market it will vary from demographics and so a lot of the complexity in that isn't working those out before you actually do it but the thing is about these mobile apps is they can often get that data from a small sample size early on and then sort of you know, apply a figure so yeah, they can yeah. adjust their figures but it is worth saying here of course i mean we've been talking about the average revenue per user that's not pure profit ben well i was gonna say so why can't i get my 26 dollars from linkedin then because it costs LinkedIn something to actually provide the service, and some of that will be the cost of acquiring you. I referred earlier to the cost per install app. I'm cheap, though. And, right. and, and LinkedIn may Once not be the best you. example, because actually the reason the average is high there is because they do actually have a premium service tier that people pay, whatever it is, uh, $20 a month for. The majority of people I'm a subscriber don't. because you get a little icon. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? I, I just, yeah, the thing is, Maybe I've, said, I've been so, dis, so disparaging so often, I've run out of disparaging things to say to you. If I started you up... You get a little icon next to your name if you pay. If I started up www.someoldrope.com and then sent you a link and said, by the way, there's a platinum gold rope service. Well, I was about to oh, say, oh, is there a premium <laughs> version? Premium gold rope service. <laughs> it's only 100 bucks Prestige. a month. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the, actually, for, I mean, think about startups for your uh, premium rope service. You <laughs> would have to have a development team or a sprint team or whatever you want to talk about a number of people who are responsible for running this business and actually for startups that's often the problem you have a team of a certain size and you need a certain number of people to actually get a service going off the ground all right but i understand but you need to get to a certain number of customers before that will pay for itself i and i think are very smart listeners would understand well that you know you to make an app you need techies and, and a team and you know a coffee machine all that kind of stuff but actually what are the other costs though that apps have to bear because we started off talking around you know the cost to acquire a user and actually the whole reason we thought of doing this show was when we looked at Tenji and they run this competition where they share half their revenues and that to me was really interesting because I've never seen anyone actually say 
here's some of our money, you know, have it back. Well, just know. be clear that they give that money back or that money is delivered back to the customer through it's, it's through competitions. And, yeah, so so yeah. it's you don't get a, um, a you know, direct sort of, monetary competition. Uh, yes, yeah. you, you don't get whatever your value to Tenji is back to you, but actually over time i think if you use the app and, and you know uh, engage with it a long time it's you know sort of you would definitely get something back you know they the, give the, a lot the of prizes one ten thousand pounds has got quite a lot of value he has i mean he's probably got a disproportionately high amount Indeed. of that share yeah. but actually they give away lots of small prizes as well so clearly they're trying to say to users though actually not only you have value to us but actually you know we're going to share it with you and i don't think that's any more or less of a legitimate model than google saying we can mine your data but we're going to give you a free word processing suite and a free search tool yeah, and free email value you get. and because uh, that's you know that that's value too but the difference is that i know about google but other like the fictional startups my old rope startup i've got to get it in the store I've got to get it well known about I mean there's just there's a whole bunch of stuff that actually you know the cost of acquiring that user where I've got to work out whether or not the adverts I run on my old rope store are going to pay for that yeah so actually referring back to uh, Fixu they talk about the cost per install and that's in terms of advertising being you know a, a dollar is it always advertising so, though, Rafe? but it may not be advertising they actually give another figure which is kind of the cost of getting a loyal user which is someone who opens the app three or more times it doesn't seem especially loyal to me well indeed but actually uh for december uh, 2015 that level was four dollars 23 which actually suggests there's acquisition costs over and above the advertising and obviously that's partly the people running it but also all the nuts and bolts that go with that could it be promotional activities as well it can, like it can absolutely be promotional activities and i think um, it's very easy just to look at advertising it is the, the model that's used a lot of the time but other companies will undertake other activities to get their brand out there and also you know there is often more to the company than just that technical side of building the service you know customer support for example let's let's go back to our favorite flower service Bloomin' wild okay just to interrupt you um, yes my nanny's 97 today my grandmother oh. 97 happy, happy, happy birthday, birthday nan smith happy nanny birthday smith. nan smith what did i send her flowers i presume bloom and wild flowers bloom, yeah, well done. Yes. I mean, not the yeah. only thing obviously because she's, she's why not well, did you send her some candles I, I sent her presents as well you know oh, okay things, right. things i'd actually because yeah they do candles in the they uh, do, yeah but yeah. i sent her lovely flowers so, chocolates yeah. as well yeah. so I'm, I'm on about a bouquet a week at the moment it's getting quite a dangerous habit that's the power and i wonder what bloom and wild have done what modeling have they done because I, I wanted to point out that this week i have got another one of my vouchers uh, not only are Bloom and Wild very good at, um, at sending you regular things to say, hey, look, here's £5 off, or Mother's Day is coming up, would you like free delivery? Here's £5 off. By the way, for Mother's Day, I got £5 off the delivery. It's just, they're just smart. But someone followed one of my links that I sent out saying, oh, try Bloom and Wild, and I got £5 off. I see. You're in it for the, the cash, are you now? It's very interesting. You think, oh, well, who can I send some flowers to? And if you then look at in aggregate at your credit card statement, I find that I'm going. It says Bloom well, Bloom well, Bloom well, Bloom well. Yeah, there's a ton. But so, spending. Rafe, that that fiver that you and got off. I mean, some of it like will be tax and things that he's not paying on the transaction. But a good portion of that is part of this cost that you're talking Absolutely. about. Yeah, I mean, in that case, that kind of incentive-based marketing is is not but, unusual. But don't, don't forget that when they say we'll give you you and five pounds off. And then if I then send Bloom and Wild flowers to someone who then goes, oh, what's this? This is really good. We should maybe get this. I should maybe sign up for this. So that all has to be built into the model. I mean, you know, you see $5 or £5 of value. It probably doesn't actually cost them that. What they're just doing is reducing their margin for that particular next delivery. But they're also calculating you'll be sending it to someone interesting who might then become 
a customer. And do you so, know what got you know, me? Do you, you remember can, it's, it's I a mentioned. referral model, actually, and you have to take yeah. that into account. So I would suspect, although it's $5 of value to you, it's probably only $1 or $2 to them by the time they calculate the value. And that goes back to they will then have to work out the customer lifetime value of anyone you attract as a result of sending flowers. So how much have I spent with Blue and Wild? Hundreds of pounds. That's very interesting that the way they got me from the app store. Remember I said I got I saw them on the app store. They had a featured button, so they must have done moved heaven and earth to get Apple to do that. And actually, that's the key thing, isn't it? That we all discovered that app in different ways, like through referrals yep. or through their position in the App Store. But that's all the startup cost. And now we're customers. Our value to them needs to help them recoup that cost. Yes. And then presumably we collectively all need to make enough transactions yep. that just that enables them to then do that referral spend. Because what modelling can you say? How much can they be guaranteed to get from you? Because so they've got you now for the next... X years for Mother's Day, right? And they've probably got you now for your partner's birthday. Yeah. Right? And they've probably got you for, what, one at least one or two other... Valentine's. Va- oh, Valentine's Day, right? So that's three transactions. I'm trying to think of the, the guaranteed ones that you're not using. You, you'll this is, you'll this, definitely this, use them. This is why you and I aren't in this business, because you said three and held up two fingers. So we're, we're not no, doing... I but they thumb, will be using my thumb. always looking for new opportunities. And Moonpig do the same sort of thing. And actually, a lot of them try to move you on to a subscription model. And that blew my mind. They've already done that, that yeah, yeah, for you, yeah. Ben. And so... I mean, I talked about it being quite a simple model, but actually by the time you get into the totality of it throughout your entire lifetime of value, and Amazon does the same thing. I mean, they do Amazon Prime as a subscription model, and they will be making money on that. Maybe it's because of the way I feel about LinkedIn, which is a bit, you know, I'm not a fan, let's put it that way. I I use it grudgingly, and it's a tool, but I don't love it. I don't love it in the way I love bloom and wild i mm. don't i mean even tenji and, and it's just a facility isn't it but but even tenji i mean they're a sponsor but even just the idea like oh you know you're giving some money back to customers i'm at least curious and interested in what they have to say whereas you know linkedin and facebook and google because they've kind of they've got my data and they're selling it and i i kind of don't really understand what they're doing and i feel a bit dirty and exploited by it well they're using the data to sell not not selling your data well, yeah. I suppose that's that's fair enough. But I wonder actually whether or not you can build that sort of virtuous circle because if I don't continue to engage in those apps and continue to help them get revenue, then the service doesn't persist and so on and so forth. So actually, if I get any value out of these things, even if I don't love them, like LinkedIn, it's in my interest to keep engaging in it and keep using it because just walking away and then coming back a year at a time when I'm perhaps looking for a job and saying, oh, LinkedIn got rubbish, didn't it? Yes. It's like almost kind of, if you love it, use it, or if you need it, use it. So Mm. I think that's absolutely true. I mean, there are obviously different types of business. You can think about a utility provider, which you're unlikely to love, or a bank that you might choose to switch away from. In the in the digital space, there's been a lot of social things. MySpace, for example, disappeared. Oh, MySpace. Um, but you can also look at some of the messaging services, you know, Yahoo Messenger or MSN Messenger or ICQ. So oh, I, ICQ. I, you know, I think you're right. And actually, that sort of sense of building an emotional connection is actually why some of the features we see emerging from things like Twitter or Facebook, you were talking earlier about moments being a powerful reason for you to use Facebook. I think... You know, or at least that's what they're trying to do with those. And, you know, Twitter's trying to do something similar. And those that are able to get an emotional connection will often persist longer than ones that just have a purely utilitarian relationship. And so value is expressed in different ways. We've been focusing very much on the financial. But It is, although when there is a financial element, I think 
I don't know, it gets weird because I don't, I, we, we get into the psychology of it and I don't Indeed. really understand it, but I think I just find it more honest when we don't pretend it's not a business. So Bloom and Wild want me to buy flowers. Sometimes I want to buy flowers, yes. bingo. Yes. Tenji want me to use their messaging app. I like to message people and I like to win prizes. Fair enough. Um, I'm trying to think about some, some of the others. Um, Kitty that I mentioned as my thing uh, of the week. Cash note. Or touch note yeah. or whatever. I mean, you know, even something like Evernote, I'm buying a service yeah. there and it feels straight up and honest. It's right. I mean, because those things are more tangible. It's no coincidence that I think the intangible services are also the ones that have suffered most from things like piracy, for example, because consumers don't see the value in them. And I think not everyone is as smart as our listeners. And so, you know, some people you know, don't really care yeah, about that sort did, of thing. Very nice. um, but, you know, there is a real value to those intangible services. But I think the... Uh, Human psychology just means that you don't always feel it as much. I guess because what you're saying is that when I put my baby's photo on Facebook, actually, that's me paying in to the service. It is, yes. And then people all look at it and like it and talk about it and Facebook will discover my social graph and they'll get some value. And the trouble is buying some flowers or ordering a massage or even we had had dinner before the show started, you know, using an app to order. It feels honest because I'm buying a thing and I understand the transaction and I'm willing to pay for it. But all of a sudden you say, really? You know, pictures of my baby? That's the transaction? Did you pay for that? Where where are you hosting your photos, by the way? In all kinds of places. And some of those places are giving me service free so that they can mine my data. So I'm not saying... And they're literally, you know, they are analysing your photos to see what's in them. And I'm not being forced to do that. I've made that decision. But when you then come back to me and say you know kind of are you knowingly engaging in a long-term exchange of value mm. you would give your photos i kind of go so I don't know. are you suggesting that there's a, a transparency element to this that's important to you as a consumer i think transparency is is important but also i think when there's money involved i like it to feel upfront and straightforward service level yeah i mean yeah. even linkedin much as i dislike them they say please will you sign up for an account if you sign up for an account that costs 20 pounds a month we will give you these things and i might think oh god that's naff but it's a relatively it's a clear st- value proposition exactly it's an honest proposition for a certain amount of money and i mm. understand how i'm paying for it and the thing is the counterpoint and this is why i feel so conflicted is i don't want those free services to go away i just want to work out in my own mind do I feel okay with that? You know what, for example, I don't put many personal photos on Facebook because I kind of don't feel okay about it. But similarly, Google knows everything I've bought from every shop, you know, forever because I search for it loads. And, is that invasive? You know, so how, how does that privacy and, well, and it, honesty piece It's also play a out? value thing. And I like Google because it remembers stuff and I, that helps me. I mean, I think that's true. But I also just want to put the other side of this. Advertising and the business models it's enabled have given us a tremendous amount of free things. And for a lot of people, that's created amazing opportunities and possibilities. Yeah. You know, Facebook is a really powerful tool and it does change people's lives. And I think we need to recognize that freemium model has been instrumental in the mobile app space, for example in giving people the opportunity to do startups to get this stuff for free actually if anything it's gone almost too far and that it's now very difficult to do anything other than the freemium and the kind of add-on purchase yeah. model as you found out with your your gaming experience you and um, oh, but, don't mention that you know, right it, it's, it's hammering re- me about it. it it's really really difficult to sort of be critical of advertising in this model because actually i think we need to recognize that the value that it has returned in giving consumers stuff for free is brilliant 
but you're right to say that there is an implicit contract in there that feels a bit murky, that people don't really understand. And I think that becomes even more important when people's personal data is involved and they don't really realise the trade-off that they're getting into and the value that's attached to that, which is why I fundamentally believe actually the thing we will see in over the next decade or so is that kind of value of your personal data becoming much more obvious and actually there having to be a negotiation and control over who gets access to that. And we will come back to that thought after these messages. So Tenji are sponsoring season 12. And uh, I suppose actually it's worth saying that uh, we, you know, we talked to them about today's topic and uh, the guys are really cool and they've basically said, no, talk about anything you like. So there's no editorial control at all. We're really grateful for them as sponsors because they've given us the opportunity to fund the shows, but also uh, completely free reign to say whatever we like. So I think it's worth it. Should I say I immensely dislike Tenji, just saw that. You know, to, to prove that, <laughs> we can that, say that we can see it. You can say when that. When that is not the case. <laughs> but very I, I have to say, dear listeners, the reason that Ewan doesn't like it is because he hasn't won a prize yet. There we go. Oh, no. Now, talking of prizes, let's get back into the, the meat of this. If you would like to win a prize, oh, uh, yeah. what Tenji are doing is they're investing some of their users' value back, giving it back to their users. Um, they're doing this through prize draws. The more you use the app, the more tickets you get, and the more tickets you get are entered into draws. And every month they give away thousands of pounds to users. In, in a collection of big and small prizes. If you sign up, you could enter those drawers just by using the messaging app if you'd like to try it out. The important thing, though, is that they've also set up a draw just for 361 listeners. Ooh. Wait a minute, they're giving user, their user value to you, dear listener. To 361 listeners. Wow. So go to 361podcast.com, follow the link there, and there's some instructions about how you sign up for Tenji and you use a voucher code when you sign up that is 361. And if you do that, you get all the usual benefits and all the usual Tenji experience, but you're entered into a special draw that is just for 361 listeners. We're going to be doing it in episode five of this season. And there's a thousand pound prize, a cash wow. prize on offer. For, oh, thank you, Ralph Blanford, my <laughs> which you can win so long as you live in the UK and you can spend that on anything you like although obviously you would choose phones and that is just a draw for people who signed up to Tenji through the 361 code so that's really cool Come on. and I tell you your odds are pretty good actually that, pretty good can we just underscore that you know pretty yeah. good it yeah. is worthwhile doing so, except you can't win and I no can't no win. I know that which is slightly depressing but I understand okay right back to the meat of the topic then because okay I've got something for you all right, well, I want to talk about the future so come on you McLeod you're all about the future you live in the future <laughs> that's I am I have one one foot in the future blames all the grey hair yeah Rafe Rafe Blanford zing what happened to you Mr Apologist <laughs> I'm right. tired and it's Friday yeah, okay alright right. so what I wasn't able to finish right when you interrupted me and I my point there about advertising I was just curious way the back podcast, when, got boring, right yeah. I think one of the reasons we have this freemium or free first model is because there's no other way right it's not as if you can say look try this for three pence that is why we are in this situation. And you're right to say we have been given some fantastic things in this marketplace. This marketplace has been fueled by the advertising world. But that's just because everything else has been really, really annoying. Any other alternative just does not work. Do you think now that we've got Apple Pay and Samsung Pay and surely Android Pay? We're moving swiftly up? to the point where but, well, I think the best thing I've seen that I don't really like yet, but it is Amazon's coins. 
you know, the Amazon coin system whereby yeah. you can you can pay for you know, 10 coins. It's kind of microtransactions. And yeah. we've seen them in the past with uh, things like Beans, which was an internet startup from a while back. Yeah. But I think with Amazon coins and with some of the mobile payment options that Ben was talking about, getting to those microtransactions is possible because it becomes frictionless because you can do biometric authentication like Touch ID with Apple Pay or just NFC or something like that. And... You know, there's still some problems, I think, in the underlying payment structure with the way uh, credit cards and debit cards work. But, yes. You know, that's why people get excited about Bitcoin and the blockchain, because it's possible to do those transactions at very, very low costs, which you need to do if you're paying maybe just a tenth of a penny, say, to access some content. So do you think that's what's going to change in the future and move us away from the freemium model? And can I just challenge, because like when I'm paying five pence or ten pence for something, I understand what it is. But when you start to charge me fractions of a penny for transactions, presumably that's on well the very, idea is it's, it's next to nothing you go yeah fine I, I, there is a value to it but it, it is but also how many times are you expecting me to repeat that transaction because you're back to a charging by time kind of model where it, it, not you know, necessarily no it could be if you like this app cool um, then it's, it's free to use but if you'd like it's it's 10 coins i.e. a billion for a penny per week then I've registered for a couple of hundred apps or I just you know every tra- every movement every click through an app or every click through a, a Facebook charges me a fraction of a penny you mm-hmm. know it, it begins to get quite hard to know what I'm not spending necessarily but don't tie yourself just to that particular, you know, it's per, per, per. But the, the, the issue is making sure that there's a, a model that doesn't necessarily rely on your data. And I think we're actually no. a little bit too far gone now. It is all about data, right? But when we look at the future, we think it doesn't have to be ad-funded it doesn't we're there with, yeah. Remember, we were there with SMS. Remember, you used to pay for stuff via SMS. So oh, I was yeah. going to say, I mean, there's two things. Here. That, was like, that was probably the best situation was when yeah. you paid to receive data or get some via, and it, it charged you 10 pence yeah. to uh, receive. I think there's interesting here. I mean, you're talking there about two things. There's the mechanism itself for payments, which is a problem, which I think can be solved by mobile, frankly. And also no, thinking, it's not mobile anymore. Well, it, it's just endemic. It's actually everywhere. I mean, that was one of the things out of MWC, that payment could be in your sunglasses or... Yes, yeah, nothing to do with mobile. Now. Yeah. So it's actually the components of mobile that's allowed it to happen from a cost point of view. But I think also you can think about quite radically different business models as well, and actually look to the past and things like mutual and community-funded businesses. Well, this was one that really interested me because lots of apps exist to be a business and to make a profit, and that's fine. And there are some apps that are just marketing effectively trying to get you to do engage in transactions away from the app and that's fine as well but actually what about a time when groups of people come together to set up services that probably would be mobile services just to support each other just like to live in in sort of community uh, groups so if you look at the cooperative model in agriculture for example you can see that for for those of us who aren't landowners explain how that works so that's when a group of farmers will get together and will pull their products effectively and sell it because they've got a bigger scale at a higher market value i mean there's a lot more to it than that but actually you know the cooperative bank works in a similar way or building societies in the uk it's sort of trying to get to scale by clubbing together and it's possible to imagine i mean it's almost a not-for-profit model and you know there are a few apps out there that try and do that thing particularly from charities but i'm yet to think of one that you know is a big scale you know you know unicorn Actually, Wikipedia is probably a good example of that, where all the revenue does go back into to that kind of community thing. Although, Although Wikipedia is not the best example because people are making donations. It's it's philanthropy with Wikipedia, whereas if you were paying to access Wikipedia, like a Wikipedia subscription, then I'd say that's the model I'm thinking of. You know, what, what also interests me is about when you become valuable enough to be paid 
Ben, you were looking for to buy a car a little while ago. You were in the market for a particular type of vehicle, right? And had those vehicle manufacturers known that, right? If you were able to put your hand up and just say from an information exchange, this is me, this is what I'm looking to buy, this is how to market to me, here's all my data, and I will willingly allow you to access it for this purpose only, if you can control it, it would have been a far more effective value well, what you're, you're talking about, though, is effectively becoming a qualified lead. And what's interesting is would those companies be prepared to reduce the price because it knows it will be able to acquire you as a customer for much less money? Because clearly that kind of cost of acquisition is averaged out between all the different users. And some of them cost very little to acquire. If you put your hand up and you talk about that, data, maybe that's an argument for saying, you know, you should have more variable pricing. Well, well you could do like a reverse auction. You could yeah. say, on oh, this car with this spec, whatever, and let because I've qualified myself as a lead and even given the very precise product I want to buy, I said, right, come on, you know, pitch me prices. Yes. You know, cheapest one wins. The one I'm thinking about, and not just because we're working in banks at the moment, is at what point do businesses that have relatively high-value transactions, and that could be a bank with a mortgage or something like that, but it could be people selling high-value stuff, start to give you rebates because you're using a particular channel. So if you use our mobile app to service your account for example, and you don't use the branch network or you don't go on the website, yeah. we'll give you up to 5%. I mean, well, you see, act. if you're EasyJet, if you, if you do it online and don't phone us, you get £5 off or whatever. Well, and that model's already started, but yeah. what about when we start to see people differentiating between the web and mobile? Like, because you've used our app and we know where you are and we know your identity you're and we can take a biometric. You're more engaged, but also it's demonstrably easier and cheaper to service a customer on mobile in some instances. I mean, yes, I, you know, yes. or it certainly will be in the yeah, future. It's, it's equivalent of going to paperless billing and getting right. a, a kind of a rebate for that. I mean, I think all of that's, that's interesting. I mean, the ultimate, uh, I mean, you talk about customers being paid to be by the company. In some ways, that's what influencers already are. And some companies will give their brand ambassadors or celebrities, you know, free product for that are exact we, reason. Are we influencers? No, because I haven't got anything free. Okay. But what's <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting to see whether it ever gets to the point where it's kind of almost cheaper to pay you to become a customer than recognising that they'll get that value back over the long term. Well, because it might yet. be more effective. If I went out to a series of brands and said, I'm, I'm going to tell you who I am and everything that I tend to buy and all my yeah, habits yeah. and requirements, therefore I'm expecting guaranteed 15% discount on everything yeah. because you don't have to market you, you, the, the standard marketing cost doesn't exist and anyway. I will, will just float the idea that we're kind of already there and Netflix is a company that already does this because they give you the first month free now that actually has a real cost to them and they are effectively paying you to use the service because you're getting something for free but loss leaders aren't new are they? they aren't new so I'm actually suggesting that this idea of paying you ahead of time isn't something that's particularly new it just hasn't got far enough that actually there's a positive transaction coming in your way I find it difficult to see any business getting to the point where it would be able to pay you regularly because your data is so valuable but I may be wrong it's something to look out for is I think the one what freemium is though I guess so but I mean I think the one model we should you to, we should touch this on this is here. freemium this podcast is freemium well it's not it's not even in well, is it free uh, okay closing thought then if another Google dropped out the sky but they didn't give you any services that you could use like search or email or anything like that but they said to us, upload all of your data and we will just mine it and give you cash and we will just pay you a fee, you know, a monthly income for your data. And the more you data you give us and the, the frequency with which you care about, it's basically an I income I think we'll source. see that. I mean, you I've could, been hearing you him could, you stuff could sell about it. it. Would you do that? I want to know the controls around that, but yes. 
Rafe Clancy. That'd be interesting. Experiment. I think I'll be uncomfortable because, I mean, like you, I kind of like paying for something directly, but clearly I'm effectively doing it already with other companies, and that might become a competitive advantage, you know, the way they, they get started up. It does feel like, you know, you'd have to spend a lot of money to get that, and I think that kind of direction is actually, I'm not people, sure people see the value. Actually, what Uber does at the moment is they cut costs so much that your cab almost becomes free in some markets, and they do that to build up the value, and then they put it back afterwards. So, can I imagine that scenario? I guess so, if you get valuable enough but I think the models around transparency and actually going back to Tenji that's where they're kind of interesting I mean people immediately attach themselves to the prize and that sounds interesting but the fact that they're being so transparent about 50% of the revenue goes into the prize pool I think is, perhaps is that's, interesting that's more interesting than actually the money because, I, I think so in the longer term because by definition they're telling people how much they earn how much the advertising is worth because if you say we're giving 50% of our revenue yeah. away and by the way last month we gave away this many thousands of pounds you go the prize pool is a great hook, but actually the transparency is probably why you stay with the service. And I will just leave you w- with one thought. We haven't really talked about the subscription Are you going, business model in, in detail. Thank right. you. Thank you, Ewan. But actually the one model that has really taken off is subscription services. And that's sort of the antithesis to freemium in a way. Yes. And uh, you, you look at Netflix and Spotify and it's been really successful. And I do wonder whether there's more scope for kind of doing something a little bit different there or the, the so-called hybrid business models. You know, would you be willing to get something more? I mean, and actually the past master of that, Amazon, where they are doing the subscription model, but they're also, you know, doing third-party sales. They're doing advertising on their site. And, you know, it's really about the efficiency and extracting maximum value from the customer because let's not kid ourselves. At the end of the day, we are valuable to these apps and these companies. They're looking to make money. And so it is actually ultimately about extracting the maximum possible value from the consumer. Right, we should say our thank yous. I want to say thank you to Mark from audiowrangler.co.uk who's edited today's episode. If it's uh, anything less than four hours long, he's done a sterling job. I want to say <laughs> thank you to our friends at Digitas LBI who provide us with our recording facilities and Rafe Blanford, as, <laughs> as yet unmassaged though. Well, we need to start that. Thank you to everyone who's written in, gives us feedback and comments. We always welcome your comments. Get to the podcast's website, 361podcast.com. You can talk to us on Twitter, at 361podcast. You can also find links to our individual Twitters on the uh, the posts if you'd like to talk to us about the things that we have said. And we're also on Facebook, but don't go there because they'll mine your data and make loads of money off it. We're also on Tenji. And we're also on Tenji. And actually, I still need to find a phone number that people can send us messages on. Good idea. We'll set that up and I will be tweeting it. So... uh, uh, yes, if you'd like to make a contribution, by before the end of the season, we will be taking contributions by Tenji. And uh, also, that means that those people will win even more tickets, That's a good even point. more chances to win. So, yeah. fantastic. Right. Thank you very much, chaps. Love you. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including David Walker, Tim Edwards, Iliko Ella, and Andy Hagen. There's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with information on how to help us from as little as $1 per episode via Patreon.